Friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Uh, Happy to be with you today. So, obviously, distressing news out of Maine. Yesterday evening, uh, about 7 o'clock local time, uh, there was a notification of a a shooter uh, who had apparently gone to, and you've seen the story now, has gone to a bowling alley uh, and then to a uh, a restaurant, a bar and a grill, is how it's being described. Uh, and we understand that there's about 18 people that have that were killed and, and, and many others who have been who've been injured. Now we do not here on this program, on the What's Right show, do not identify uh, these types of mass shooters. We just don't do it. And I also want to say here with this case, even though it's been almost 24 hours, we're, we're still uh, – a guy's still on the loose, and there are uh, some unanswered questions certainly about his about his identity, who he is, and, and all this stuff. So I, I just – I don't want to get over my skis on this. But I certainly – because this is a current events-driven program, I've, I've got to address this. Um. Well, well, first off, if if it is the person that the police claim that they believe it is, then this guy has some some mental problems. All right, and and at the same time, I'm my observation about it is that it is slightly different than your typical mass shooter that goes in essentially to end things. This guy had a thought out escape route. I mean, he, he he showed up in a car, he left in his car, he then transferred somewhere on the waterfront, allegedly to a Sea-Doo, to a, yeah, a jet ski type, you know, thing, and then had a boat waiting for him that he'd play somewhere, and now he's, he's, he's God knows where, the, the Coast Guard apparently, that's the latest I've heard, the Coast Guard's looking for him. Last year, uh, or maybe even just earlier this year, was committed to a mental hospital, hearing voices. He's a firearms instructor. Uh, well, I guess in 2007, he was charged with a misdemeanor for operating under the influence of you know, DUI type thing. Um, I, I, I know, well, the predictable response, of course, from the left is that this is a, a, uh, you know, a, a gun control issue. And I, you know, I look at this and, and, you know, in, in realville, if you've got somebody who's an army reservist, he is, has extensive weapons training, is a, a, a firearms instructor, then somebody like this, I mean, what, what, what's the solution here, right? What do you want to prohibit in order from, in order to prevent something of this type from occurring? Because to me, it's pretty straightforward. Here's a guy, if it is this guy, the police have gone back and forth. First, they called him a person of interest. Now they're calling him a suspect. It seemed pretty clear that this is the guy that they want. Uh, but I, but I look. I mean, the way to prevent this, and it dovetails into our conversation yesterday here on the program. We had Alan Stock here talking about homeless problems, not just here in Vegas, but but you know every major city, metropolitan area. Uh, we we talked about you know people who are criminally insane. And the challenges 
that we face as a society from not being able to, well, to, I mean, to, to, to hospitalize people who, who are not well. I think that's the part of the story here that nobody wants to address. And the reason nobody wants to address it, everybody's got an agenda here. I'm looking at it. Look, if the answer, if the solution truly were assault weapons, if that was the answer, assault weapons, if that's all it needs, that's so simple. And I would be perhaps one of the first people to say that, I'll, you know, let's go with the with the life saving fix, but that's not the sol- that is not the solution. And the reason it's not the solution is because you know you get you get into jurisdictions where they have extreme gun control measures, all sorts of gun control measures, and people who are mental are still capable of mass murder. Let's do it in different ways. So here's um, here here's my you know my my perspective on this. This guy clearly should have been, uh, you know, should have been hospitalized. If they're talking about him having paranoid schizophrenic type events where he was seeing people, seeing hearing voices, that he was, you know, he he'd had he'd been in fact hospitalized for, and so so where was it? I mean, what what where where were the police? Where were all the preventative measures that are already on the books in place to identify people who present a risk to the public, where was any of that? Because you don't get to call for gun control then to define to me what gun control is because if you're going to call for it, you've got to know what it is that you want. So what do you want? You want the ability to take the weapons away if somebody's got guns and, and, and there's a mental problem, the ability to take those weapons away uh, for a period of time to allow for an evaluation. Is that one of the things that you want? Well, if you want it, I mean, number of jurisdictions have laws that are you know similar to that or, or exactly on point on the books. And what you find out is routinely law enforcement doesn't have time, can't possibly attend to it because some of the same people incidentally that are calling for all of these measures to be on the books and in place and one thing's done about gun violence are the same clowns that are fighting screaming for you know abolish the police or defund the police so who is going to be chasing all of this and then to the extent that this guy's on you know on on the on the feds radar because he's a military guy I mean, I, I think an interesting part of the story may end up being the, the extent to which the feds drop the ball. Because they're off busy, you know, crawling up the rear ends of every single, you know, MAGA affiliated Trump supporter, distracted from actually preventing real crime. Or I would argue, or alternatively, some of these people want this stuff to go down in order to be able to push their agenda. And that's frustrating. So I, you know, I, and by the way, mass shootings, you know, it's, I mean, do I have to say the obvious? How many people die every week from gun violence in Baltimore, in L.A., in Chicago? Gangbangers shooting at each other with illegal weapons that aren't even allowed. I mean, gun. <laughs> you want to know what the gun laws are like in Illinois, in the city of Chicago? And these 
dingbat gangbangers boast about it on social media. You think the Fed show up, you know, and, and go after those people and chase down those weapons? Clearly not enough. So I, you know, and it's, you're going to see the, the result from this is all, and it's, it's a, it's a tragedy. This is awful. It's horrid. But we need resolve in this country first off to, to aid, to detain and aid people with, with serious mental uh, problems. We need to do that. Uh, candidly, we need to bring back mental asylums. I mean, this is what, where we're at. We've got to, we, we, we've got to get real about it. And, and it's, and both in the context of having downtowns, city centers overrun with people who are, you know, are, are basically fentanyl zombies. Roaming the streets, pushing people in, in places where there are subways, pushing people on the subway tracks, all this stuff, assaulting, you know, regular ordinary folks trying to get to work, going to lunch, meeting friends. It's unacceptable. But the same people also will. I mean, you could institute every single thing that the left wants to do vis-a-vis gun control. You could take Gavin Newsom's a proffered solution and implement it to a T, it's still not going to keep an army guy from taking a gun, an expert firearms guy from, I mean, the the guns are not complicated thing. You can, the right person, the smart person, and not even that smart, but just capable person is able to build something like this from scratch or virtually from scratch, let alone certainly converting a, a non-threatening, non-assault weapon rifle into something that is, 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 uh, fires automatically. Pretty easy stuff to do, frankly. So I'm, you know, I, I just don't see any, uh, any solution that isn't calling for the, for, you know, f- frankly, the forcible treatment of people with mental problems. Any, any solution that isn't calling for that is not a serious solution. And I don't want to hear from any of these bozos who we, – we don't even have the Nashville Shooters Manifesto yet. You know that? The FBI has not released it to date. Why? Well, well, it's – see, listen, if, if that Chiquita there that went into the school, went into the Christian school and started killing people that she hated because of her – uh, well, it's, you know, trans progressive beliefs. If it was something around, if it was a school for little trans kids and a MAGA type went in there and started blasting, those, that manifesto would have been out and released by the FBI the next day. And you know I'm right about this. So that kind of stuff just absolutely maddens me. Friends, I got to take a quick break. You are listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. The only firm to trust for your injury case. Uh, In a crash, call Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. You know, this always is an interesting thing to talk about. What is the definition of an assault weapon? Producer Robbie and I always 
uh, laugh about this. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. So a definition of an assault weapon de- depends on the jurisdiction. But if you go back to the 1994 bill, the federal ban that was that later expired and, and, and really is profoundly unconstitutional, it really comes down to elements – uh, on the rifle, on the weapon that are not uh, functional, they're more. <laughs> I I was I don't want to offend any of you, uh, you know, diehard uh, gun owners out there. Adornments? Can we call them? Produce Robbie? Can we call them adornments? For example, um, a pistol grip. All right. I mean, if you've folks, I I've. I've, I have a number of rifles. I have, um, I have rifles that are assault weapons, quote unquote, right? And then I have some that are, would not be categorized by this. I don't know that the pistol grip makes any real functional difference in how the, how the weapon operates. Then it also, the other part of it is the shrouding around the barrel, which is, Definitely a far more of a cosmetic thing than it is. I mean, it's supposed to protect from. You can hold the barrel right with a you know with with a hand, but the the shrouding on a on an AR, Robbie, gets hot too. It 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 gets so hot you can't hold it. So you know, uh, I'm telling you, so the, it's a little bit functionality wise. It's just stuff that you can attach sights to easily and 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 and. Uh, I don't know, you know, slings and that kind of thing. I, I'm, I think it's mostly, I think it's mostly, just appearance, right? So a flash hider. Um, what difference last night out in Maine would a flash suppressor have? Producer Robbie, technically speaking, what difference would it make? Would it make any difference on on you know uh, uh, how how that event? Unfolded? Yep. Okay, like if he's if he's in the in the background, right? So if he's hiding out somewhere and it's dark and a flash suppressor would conceal where the where the where the uh, you know where his position is. Okay, well uh, again, I mean th- these are absurd things. You you could have a rifle in other words. That is not an assault weapon. This is very important for non-gun people to understand. You could have a rifle that is not an assault weapon that functionally does everything that an AR-15 does, for example. Fires the same bullet that uses the same ammunition, has the same rate of fire, has the same magazine capacity, and would be perfectly permissible under the 1994 assault weapon ban. Right, so uh, that I think to me is that's where all this stuff gets pretty pretty wonky and 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 dumb, which is what the gun control crowd wants. They want fantasy solutions to this stuff, and it's 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 interesting because historically, when you go back into the the ba- and we get to the background of of you know what we've what we've done here it's it's the progressive left that's 
you know, championed against people being held for mental illness. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a civil libertarian and I, I'm, you know, there has to be a way of doing that that isn't, you know, there, there has to be a process and due process that's involved in, 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 you know, confining people to, to, to a mental institution. But I, I mean, you, you have to understand that it's not just guns that are killing people out there. You know, the crazies are killing people by pushing them, hitting them, shoving them, stabbing them, attacking them. And we, we've, we've, we've got to do something about it. So I'm just, that part of the story is, is fascinating. And by the way, you know, it's given that this is live radio, as we have developments, we've got the Coast Guard looking for the shooter. We do not identify the shooter, though his name is believed to be known. Uh, this is up in Maine. He made his escape apparently on a sea do on a uh, what is this? Uh, a jet ski, right? He he bought. The police found that he had registered a jet ski in his name two years ago, and then now they're saying that there's also maybe a boat, a Bayliner boat, which is a a small kind of cruising cruising boat, not expensive. So he's he's out there. Um, you know, maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's on his way to Iran. Who knows? But that's what's going on. 18 people at least are dead. He's been charged. I believe they've, what if they've charged him with eight, uh, 10 counts of murder, Robbie? And then and then they're, they're waiting to identify the balance of the victims. And only once they identify them will they add additional counts. So that's, you know, fairly standard. Um, so Kamala Harris, of course, didn't miss a beat didn't miss a moment to politicize this. <laughs> well, just, none of this is a surprise. So she, she gets out there and says um, that this, this gun violence, this, kids are dying from this gun violence, and, and proffers a pretty astonishing statistic that um, raised even my, my eyebrows. As we gather details, we must continue to speak truth about the moment we are in. In our country today, the leading cause of death of American children is gun violence. Gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country. And let us be clear, it does not have to be this way. And it just, that's how she taught. There was these long, weird silences that, I mean, and she was pausing for dramatic effect, and I think maybe she was trying to gather some tears, but it didn't, it didn't really pan out too well. Okay, by the way, you know, in order to get to the statistic, you have to include all gun violence. You have to, you have to gang violence. You have to go, you have to go into the, you know, you've got to go into liberal left-wing blue cities to make it work, and you've got to raise the age for kids to 19. That's how you get to that statistic. So kids, if you're counting 19-year-olds, and you're, you're and gun violence, let's talk about this, right? This is from the same crowd that wants to release, repeat violent offenders. They want to institutionalize within our criminal justice system, criminal justice reform, and make it so that criminals get you know released from jail with a slap on the wrist, and 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 they're complaining that there's gun violence, and then they're using these statistics to argue for 
more of the agenda that they seek. In this particular case, abolishing the Second Amendment. This stuff is all predictable. All right, uh, we got to run. I'll give some speaker updates, things going on Capitol Hill when we return. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury Law will return after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host. Uh, you can't see this. Producer Robbie... Uh, today is deciding to test out his uh, Halloween costume. And um, uh, I love it because this is from one of my favorite movies. Robbie, (laughs) you know, I I took a screen grab earlier so people can see what you look like in this costume. You are Steve Zizou from Life Aquatic. And you've got the beanie. You've got the... You know, you've got this the Zizu team Zizu uh, uniform, and then I had to ask you, given of course that we've been talking about gun control, I needed to ask you if you if you had the Glock. You know, it, Life Aquatic, great movie. Uh, it's it's a classic, uh, but it's you know the the main character in it is a uh, his character is a, a tribute to to he's a he's a sea time maritime explorer. And he's sort of washed up, yeah, Jacques Cousteau type person, um, and it's um, and and it's it's just it's it's absolutely a, a fantastic movie with a, with a with an all star cast. Uh, Bill Murray plays uh, Steve Zizou, and uh, everybody on the team is given a red beanie, the uniform, right? The red beanie, the blue outfit, and a Glock. So. Robbie's got the Glock and the blue uniform, and it's great. And I'm, I hope you, um, you, yeah, I hope you, yeah, I hope you stay safe out there with that Glock. Um, good stuff. Well, friends, welcome uh, to the program. Happy to have you with us. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law. So uh, today's the first full day of Speaker Mike Johnson's first term, uh, or term as Speaker. Um, there was a, I guess, yesterday or early this morning, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene moved for a censure vote on Ilhan Omar over some of her comments related to October 7th in Israel. Uh, so that that vote, I think, now has been bumped to next week. So Speaker Johnson doesn't have to worry about handling that on his first day. Uh, but... It's 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 interesting. He's he just I saw news. He just uh, was went over to the White House, met with Biden briefly. He's uh, he certainly is has uh, reached out. I don't think they've met yet in person, but by phone to Mitch McConnell, who is the minority leader in the Senate. Uh, he has I don't know if he's he's spoken to uh, to Chuck Schumer, but Chuck Schumer. Yeah. So he's the head of the Senate, right? Senate Democrat. Old Chuck Schumer put out a tweet, and I, I had it here because I responded to it. Well, he puts out a tweet, and he said he had a conversation with the new speaker. And well, the new guy, yeah, he had the conversation with the new speaker, and this is what he said. 
Uh, yeah, I spoke to Speaker Johnson on his election, and I told him the same thing that I told Speaker McCarthy. Ready for it? Here it is. This is what Chuck Schumer told uh, our new Speaker of the House. The only way to avoid a shutdown is to fund the government and pass critical funding. Is And the only thing that you need for that is what? What's the word? Bipartisanship. Robbie, that's all you need. Bipartisanship. So let me tell you what this means. Let me translate this for you. Because I'll tell you, bipartisanship, according to Chuck Schumer and Democrats like him, means that we Republicans, or respectively Republicans in the, in the House and Senate, do what Democrats want or else, uh, or else, you know, the Dems will block them at every turn. So the Democrats will shut down the government if the GOP doesn't approve Democratic spending priorities. That's what I'm that's that's the threat. You, yeah, the only way to shut down, avoid a shutdown, fund the government and pass critical funding is bipartisanship. Well, I, I know what it means to them, right? This is it, it sounds pretty. But when do they ever meet us halfway? It never happens. It's all or nothing. And so the gauntlet has already been thrown, meaning the Senate, led by Schumer and Democrats, is likely to push back on any efforts to trim up the budget and, you know, set up, send up these single subject spending bills. They're going to want a universal CR again, they're a continuing resolution. They're going to want an omnibus. They're going to want the big bag of money. That's what they want. The big bag of cash. And I, I don't I, – look, we'll see. I, Johnson's already getting a lot of pushback from, from conservatives. There's a clip of him that surfaced where he's talking about, wow, you know, racism uh, experienced, you know, something it – was, it was the social justice stuff. Uh, he, there's, a, there's a tweet he put out in August of 2020 about a cool mask that had a window for – Kids that, you know, they could, there's some, a deaf kid in a class, and so they can read lips through the mask. And people are piling on. I, I'm, listen, I'm, folks, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let me see what he can do. I'm just going to tell you, he's a hell of a lot conservative, more conservative than, 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 uh, McCarthy, and certainly, uh, certainly more conservative than had we ended up with Emmer. I think we're, or I think we're just, we're better off all around. Now, explaining this, right, McCarthy, the, the issue, Gates yesterday was talking to reporters about McCarthy donor favors. I, I like this because, I mean, listen, it, imagine for a minute, just pretend you're a big, powerful Republican mega donor. And the life of Republican, I'm not that, friends, I'm not that, but I, I you know, throw around a, a, a little bit of money here and there. And I, you know, I, and I certainly by virtue of having some, I, well, some position in society here in this program, I, I get access to things. And I, I know what these conversations are like. These are people that all fund politicians and they fund the ones that are rising stars that are likely to be, you know, to move into a place of, of prominence and of power, more importantly. And they do it in order to then use that relationship leverage that relationship to get uh, what they want. 
This is a tale as old as time. Now, what happens when, for years, these people have been funding McCarthy, and McCarthy's been in government for, I mean, he's been in the House for 16 years, right? So that's, they've been giving him money a long time, and, and I, I remember eight years ago talking to people about McCarthy, like, oh, he is going places, rising star. I think yesterday when it became obvious, or two days ago when it became obvious that McCarthy scuttled Scalise, Jordan, and Emmer, and then he stuck a shiv into everybody's back, I think he's kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't say it on the radio, but I think he's he's screwed. But up until that point, he was a darling of all these people, and they invested in him heavily. So you're a guy, you're investing in in, uh, in McCarthy, over the years, you've given him millions of dollars, and, and you expect him to be in his position. And he gets deposed in the course of, uh, of hours by some guy in Florida named Matt Gates, and you're apoplectic. And, and guess what? Now it's a problem. Now listen to Gates, the deposer himself, describe it with a fair amount of glee, I might add. This is politics. We don't pitch underhand. I mean, th- this is the person who's second in line to the presidency. And think about... The billion dollars in IOUs that the lobbyists and the special interests have for having funded Kevin McCarthy all these years. And now all of those IOUs are about as valuable as Confederate money because Mike Johnson doesn't answer to the lobbyists and the special interests. He answers to God and the Constitution. <laughs> this is this is great. Uh, <laughs> Gates is on fire over this, and he's, of course, he's his spirits are lifted because he's been vindicated uh, through all this. And I think every, every political pundit on the right that has been slamming Gates and the other seven original Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy, uh, you know, shame on them, by the way, but they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Gates is ascendant in all this and he's been absolutely correct, but, but it is, it's this, this has been a major shakeup. I went to a dinner last night. Oh, let me tell you about this when we come back because this is interesting. Uh, I don't want to betray any confidences, but I, I will tell, I tell you that the Republican Party establishment is none too pleased about this. I had some people from D.C. out of town. There's a big conference this weekend, and so people are starting to come in. There's a fair amount of energy, and I'm entertaining people here and um, talking to them. And, I, and I look, I, I always – if I'm not 100% sure about what I think of a particular person or an issue, I immediately look at where where's the alignment around it, right? And I look at Johnson, and the alignment against him is pretty delightful, right? You've got Adam Schiff that's against him. You've got Katie Porter that's against him. You've got, you got, you got, you got uh, Pocahontas is against him. All these people are against him. Biden's against so this these are to me ringing endorsements and on the on the flip side the other people that are against him are institutional inside the beltway uh business as usual graft ridden republicans and that delights me as well all right quick break here the what's right show will continue in a moment sam Rajovsky, news talk 840 kxnt if you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. 
All right, friends, welcome back to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Now, just before the break, uh, discussing the various folks lining up on either side of the debate, arguing the merits of and the likely successes or failures of the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And I, you know, I, on balance, am still very feeling very positive about his uh, confirmation, his vote in to be speaker. And I particularly, I, I've noted a number of conservatives who have found past pronouncements of his that they found disconcerting. And I, you know, I, I agree. I'm, I'm also just pointing out to a handful of things compared to a enormous body a work, if you will, of consistent conservatism, and I think this is this this is something that you know it, we did not see from from Kevin McCarthy at all, at all. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm willing to give this all you know give this all the benefit of the doubt for now. And in the meantime, of course, also looking at the response from the inside the Beltway Republicans. Now I, I I'm. They're not the ones that are scouring the liberal stuff or the the more the more progressive uh, stuff out there that perhaps um, f- you know Mike Johnson as a as a congressman as a lawyer in private practice aligned himself with. They're they're concerned actually with his conservatism, and I I had this interesting dinner where uh, someone who is is is, is from D.C. and and, and we're a younger person, right? This is um. I would say his age would have been somewhere of you know late thirties, early forties. Um, who is you know a, a political operative, a GOP political operative, and there he was despondent over this. Speaker said, "We're going to lose the House. We're going to lose the House. We're going to lose the presence. We're going to lose everything. This is going to hell in a handbasket." I said, "Why?" So that's my question, right? Why? Well, this guy, this guy's an election denier. This guy is, you know, I was. This guy is uh, is a, just a pro pro life. You know, he is absolutely going to sink Republicans. And I, I just, I told him I, I it got awkward because it was supposed to be a nice dinner, and it was a nice dinner. It was wonderful, and our host extremely gracious. Uh, this was not the host; it was just another guy that was there. And one of the things that they came out from this is there there. Really is, there really is a completely different thinking. I tell you this, folks, all the time, but there is a completely different thinking inside the GOP establishment than the thinking that you and I share when we talk about issues. And there is a huge, uh, just, there's, I would say it's a problem. No, it's a, it's a cancer on the Republican Party. This thinking that you've you've got to come up with a magic formula of how to win elections, and it's all about the magic formula, and it's not about anything particularly ideological. Now, I would argue that the Make America Great Again movement, that is a dirty word even among Republican circles in D.C., that the MAGA movement has sought to redefine what it is to be a Republican and align it more with an answer to what, you know, well, to align it more with conservatism and certainly to align itself more with anti-globalism, which has has become something that is embraced by not just 
Democrats, certainly almost unilaterally, but also many Republicans. And I don't think these are bad things. And I think also these are issues that in the coming months leading up to 2024 and years following 2024 will be increasingly attractive to voters. But I also believe that you have to believe you have to believe in what you what in, in, in your in your politics. You can't just go and hire a guru guy to come and tell you what your positions ought to be. And based on that, you know, run a campaign and have it be neatly manicured and curated by by, by you know, by, by, you know, marketing people. You do that today in the post Trump world, you will fail because now more than ever, people crave authenticity. That's what they're looking for. They want authentic politicians who represent them and their values. And if if we as voters don't believe that you believe what you say you believe, we're out. We're gone. Hasta la vista. And that's my that's my answer. So so is Mike Johnson the new speaker of the house? Is he bad for the Republican Party? Well, we'll see. Uh, one one issue that he's very hot on, of course, is abortion and life. And I I th- I think that's. Uh, I, I think that to me is an issue personally for 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 me. I, I'm honest with you. I, I'll tell you that ranks fairly low compared to nuclear war and you know and and mangling you know you know these kids and 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 just all the all the other issues, even some social issues, right? That I rank above that. And so that to me is 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 not necessarily. I don't think that's a a winning you know proposition. But the his his positions on liberty deregulation on a balanced budget cutting the cost and scope and scale of government these are enormously positive things that are are that i i i think will attract people voters to the republican party in 2024 and so i sat there and i'm at this dinner last night and i said i don't think we've had a speaker a republican speaker in the house who has been as successful at bringing Republican voters to the table um, as Newt Gingrich in, in my lifetime. And I said it's because he nationalized the election in 1994, and he made it about issues. He made it about small government. He made it about the, the, the budget. He made it about spending, the deficit, etc. And people voted for that overwhelmingly. And I almost felt – I mean I almost felt like one of, the, one of the people there made a face when I said that. And I, don't, I, I should have followed up and asked why the, the, the scowl came about. What, what do you not – I mean I don't particularly love Newt Gingrich as a person. I'll tell you that. I think he's kind of a, a, a douchebag. But that's not the point. I think they're scowling because I, they loved Paul Ryan. Man, they – you know, Paul Ryan, they loved him. All the inside the Beltway people loved Paul Ryan. Well, guess who didn't like Paul Ryan? We the people. Yeah, Republican voters didn't like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan managed, um, I mean, and, and you know why? Because Paul Ryan decided that he was going to join with Democrats in 2017 and 2018 and obstruct Trump wherever possible. 
and did it passive-aggressively. We all watched it happen. It was unfolding in real time. And what a massive slap in the face it was to each and every one of us that voted for Donald Trump, put him in the White House, at the same time went and voted for Republicans, put our local congressman in uh, to office, and then then what? Then the guy that's heading it all up decides he's going to be, be part of the, the, you know, the intifada against, against Trump and the, and the White House. That's, that's bullcrap. And we're all incensed by it, right? It's, it's, it's maddening. So where, where do I stand on this? I think, I, I think, you know, I, I think that again, if, if we're, if we're looking at the developments this past, of this past, uh, you know, week, I think we're net net way ahead where we were three weeks ago, and I'll repeat again. I think I think Matt Gates getting rid of McCarthy was a good move, and I think on balance that we know now that that we've got a far more conservative leader in the House, and that I believe will be good going into the election. All right, friends, we'll be back in a moment. The What's Right Show will continue here on News Talk eight forty KXNT. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. This is the only law firm to trust to help you in your time of need. If you're injured, call Sam and Ash 702 820 1234 because you deserve what's right. Now, one of the bits of news today that's popped up. I want to make you aware of this, although it's really just one person reporting on this so far. Ryan Fournier, who is the founder of Students for Trump, he's the executive director of Radical Alert, uh, but he has sources in D.C., and he is claiming that multiple people have confirmed to him that Mark Meadows, at the time that he served as Trump's chief of staff, wore a wire for the FBI. Now, let's just say this is an allegation. We Do I believe it? Yes, I believe it could absolutely happen, but I, I'm going to wait for further confirmation before we uh, delve too deep into it. I do see here, uh, note, he was, I think he was Trump's chief of staff from, what was it, March of 2020 through the end of Trump's presidency, so January 20th or so, um, 2021. And at this point in time, if you'll recall, Chris Ray uh, was, he still is, FBI director. And um, also, if you'll note, there was, you know, the attorney general at the time, Bill Barr, probably, probably would have known about this. So these are deeply troubling issues. And honestly, I'll tell you, it precedes anything going on uh, January sixth, right? This is presumably right. These are these. I, 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 again, we don't. We'll, we'll know more if this is if this is real. But it certainly raises a lot of a lot of questions. 
and um, will not do a lot to make conservatives feel that the FBI is a unbiased uh, law enforcement agency, all right, to say the least. Now, Capitol Hill today, in other news, let's see, there was a, was this, what day was this? There was a resolution that passed very quickly. Um, It's a resolution in support of Israel. And let's see, this is House Resolution 771. Uh, The date on this is, well, this is October 10th. No, this happened later. It it was introduced, and I think it just got voted in. Regardless, regardless, folks, um, yesterday the vote. Yeah, the vote happened yesterday. All right. Everyone but 10 voted in favor for this. Now, there were 10 members of the House. They voted nay on a resolution to condemn Hamas and support Israel. Nine Democrats and one Republican. So let's go through this. By the way, six Democrats also, in addition to the nine above, six Democrats voted uh, present, including Ayanna Presley and Pramala Jayapal. Fabulous. Um, so, you know, who voted? Well, let's talk about the Democrats first. You know, I'll get to the Republican in a sec. Well, Rashida Tlaib, yeah, what a surprise. Ilhan Omar, yes, the Hamas station chief in Washington, D.C. Um, Al Green, there's another wonderful character. Not going to go through the whole list. Cory Bush. And, of course, uh, don't forget Jamal Fire Alarm Bowman, who, um, incidentally, they just released the video as I was going on air. Robbie, thank you for sending this to me. I, I see it here. The video shows him removing warning signs, not even attempting to open the door, even though that's what his original statement was, that he was trying to get out of the door. It doesn't show him pushing on the door, doing anything with the door. The fire alarm is off on the side on the wall. It's nowhere I mean, it's near, it's adjacent to the door, but it's not. Anyway, the point is video completely dispels, disputes his stated version of how the events occurred. And, of course, yesterday we found out that he was charged for uh, illegally, uh, you know, activating that alarm and causing people to have to leave the office building there, the house office building. So, all right. So now let's talk about the Republicans. So this resolution on this resolution on in support of Israel and denouncing Hamas, uh, it, Representative Thomas Massey. Now, you guys know Massey. Massey is a very principled conservative. He, um, he wrote this about it. He, this was his only statement that I'm aware of. He put it up on Twitter. I condemn the barbaric attack on Israel, and I affirm Israel's right to defend itself. However, I will not be voting for the House resolution, blah, 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 because – It calls for sanctions on a sovereign country. Okay. Sanctions are a prelude to war and hurt the citizens of the country more than the government of the country that's being sanctioned. All right. Then he goes, he talks about the sanctions, then he goes second. It asserts the necessity of foreign aid commitments, which I have voted against. Our country is going bankrupt. We can't afford to borrow money to send overseas, yet this resolution states that we should. So I went to it, and I looked, and... It does. 
And what you, we can debate, right, the merits of, of funding Israel, yay, nay, right? But the fact of the matter is that this was not a simple resolution to say, hey, we're going to, hey, do we support, do we support, you know, Israel, right? Do we condemn Hamas? Because it starts with that. Whereas on October 7th, Hamas terrorists launched a massive unprovoked war on Israel by air, land, and sea, including firing thousands of rockets. So it, it, it does very much affirm the factual, in my view certainly, the factual uh, uh, description of what occurred uh, that has led to the current crisis in the Middle East. Uh, but then it gets into, you know, what is this, page three of the starts – Oh no! Even on page two already, it starts talking about um, about how we're going to yes, we're the pledge to provide Israel three point three billion per year uh, financial military program assistance and five hundred million per year missile defense for ten years. Which and some of this has already been appropriate, but then it's asking for some additional money. So I understand. Look, I can I can appreciate Massey's vote on this, and I appreciate people who are principled and consistent even in the face of something that is a, a tough to vote against because, of course, this, his vote will get reduced down to what? Yes, he voted, against, he voted with Ilhan Omar. That's, what the, that's how it's going to get reduced down. Now, I think his constituents in Kentucky's 4th Congressional District know him well and understand his principles and what they're founded on. I don't think it's going to hurt him there, but I'm just pointing out how these – I'm pointing out how this is how Washington operates too. So to the extent that one of the gripes with Kevin McCarthy was not having single-subject spending bills and, and voting on specific allocations of funds, the same thing happens with some of something as what ought to be as straightforward as a resolution, which a resolution is we condemn X or we support Y, but then they throw in appropriations into that and commitments to appropriate and 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 again that's if that's inconsistent with the members beliefs and then so be it so i am we don't know ilhan omar of course disputes all the factual allegations in the you know the first eight or ten paragraphs of this so you know this certainly was in ilhan omar's opinion not an unprovoked attack israel brought this upon themselves it's all they're doing how dare they uh, and um, and and yes, and yes, and these Jewish settlers, by the way, let's talk about this. I'm going to take a quick break, but you've heard a lot of this. It's this these colonizers, colonizers and settlers, occupiers, right? You know, uh, yeah. Let me let me. I I got. I want to. I want to develop a full thought on this real fast here. So I I don't want to do it right up against the break. So. Forgive me. Let's let's take a let's take a beat here. Go to break. When we come back, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and hit you with something. Let's let me see if you agree with me. Sam Urjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. 
All right, friends, welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, the sage of Southern Nevada, truth teller, lawyer, and all-around great guy reporting for duty. Now, you've heard a lot of, in the context of this, the horrific events, uh, beginning October 7th, the Hamas Palestinian attack on uh, Israeli uh, uh, neighborhoods, areas in southern Israel. Uh, you've heard a lot of pro-Hamas uh, demagogues talking about how the Israelis, I can't even say this with a straight face, Israelis deserved it essentially because they, they, they're not innocent civilians. They're combatants because they're occupying, illegally occupying Palestinian territory. Now, I'm not going to sit here. We don't have time for me to debunk the entire absurdity of that. Historically speaking, it's it's flat wrong. But the thing I want to get at is this. Day in and day out for the last going on three weeks, I am blown away by the shell-shocked uh, libs out there who have – you know, who paid lip service and even supported in, in actual practice BLM and all sorts of left-wing causes, even sympathized with, with the Palestinian two-state effort and P- Middle East peace and all this stuff, who are now finding themselves, particularly li- liberal Jews, finding, them, finding themselves on the receiving end of some pretty insane uh, anti-Semitic vitriol. And I... And and it's and and the, the word the word that keeps getting used right is is not just not just Jew but also colonizer. Now, for those of you out there who are not Jewish, I want you to pay attention to this, right? Because obviously, I am incensed by anti-Semitism, and I think it's it's but I think it comes from the same place as class envy. I think it's just a very it's very primitive thinking, racist and. Other types of prejudicial thought are very, very basic and and ignorant, but I'm concerned about this. And I and I I'm the call the word colonizer, occupier, whatever. I mean, they mean all of us. They mean everyone who is successful, everyone who has who doesn't you know does isn't a victim. Anybody who has privilege, right? And I'm I'm struck by. I remembered. I thought of this this morning. I remember watching. I, I was invited. This maybe was two years ago. I was invited to UNLV, and I went to see a documentary about Windsor Park. This is a historically black neighborhood here in Las Vegas, and I, I want to see this documentary because it fascinated me. And there's a a kid I knew that participated on on making this documentary, and so I I went there and and I uh, we the wife and I go in and we sit down in the auditorium there in the humanities building. Now I've been outside of. I've been outside of the university world uh, for a while, and the the one board that I sit on, Chapman University, we don't do nonsense like this. But I sit down in the in the meeting, and the first thing that this this you know goofy white professor gets up there, and I say white because it's an important part of this. He gets up there, and it's not a prayer. It was like an it was like a a, a weird invocation um, of of thanks to all the people who – all the native peoples whose land we were on, that we were literally sitting on there in UNLV. And I, in the middle of it, of course, begin snickering almost aloud. The wife had to you know, put her elbow in me, as she often has to do. And 
I'm snickering because this is absurd, right? This is totally absurd. I, this land belongs to UNLV, period. End of story. It doesn't matter that some Indian sat there some years ago. It is absolutely patently ridiculous. But I want you to think about it in the context because you've, we've all lived through this, particularly those of you who are more recent out of college or go to you know, public meetings and things like this. This has been a thing, and it's it's this required affirmation that we acknowledge that we, well-to-do white people living there, going to college, participating in, in, in life, that we are occupiers. And it's one of the many ways that they, right, that these ideologues want to in, indoctrinate in us this feeling of guilt, this feeling that, that reparations are owed, this feeling that this belief that we are wrongdoers. And this, by the way, this particular strain of thinking is the reason why there is all this vitriol right now from the left against Israel. And it isn't just against Israel, the state. I'm going to tell you based on what I'm seeing online, what I'm seeing at these protests, when I look at these Jewish students that are hiding in a university library and they're literally getting threatened by violence, have to have the police come to rescue them. This is targeted hatred of a set of people right now. And if you think you're not part of that set of people, I'm going to put a big asterisk in that because they're going to come for all of us. The end result that they want here is they, they, they want us, they want us, if not gone, then reduced and trimmed down to being absolutely, uh, absolutely powerless. And without resources that they, of course, will then determine how and, you know, how they and where they allocate them, reallocate them. This is an enormous power and resources grab by people who don't deserve it. Let me let me say that again by people that do not deserve it. And one of the things that nobody seems to get out there and be able to say is that. Palestinians are not entitled to an inch of Israeli territory. I don't know how to say this. There were wars that the Palestinians lost. There were wars that the Palestinians started and lost. There are wars that Israel won because they were stronger. That's how the world works. No one is native on any... You go far back in always bring this up because we here in America are a little say, ignorant, but we don't realize that, you know, there are places in Europe where I always joke, my, my grandfather lived more or less in the same town, city, area his entire life. And I, I, I always lose the count. Something like six different governments. <laughs> he lived in six, to, he had at, at any given time had six or seven different passports. Okay. The ownership of land changes, but it's not about that. It's not about justice. It's not about restoring something that was unrighteously, un- unrightfully taken. It has nothing to do with any of this, friends. This entire thing is about giving power to the radicals and being able to go after and, – and I, I'll be honest. I think it's mostly a class struggle even more than it is a religious one. Uh, although the, the and I think anti-Semitism and 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 um, and, and class envy uh, oftentimes go hand in hand because the people 
historically that hate Jews uh, do so in part, in large part, to the fact that, well, they don't like how successful they are. And you look at the tropes and you look at all that, it's all part of it. And I'm, I, you know, you could put in the word, you take the word Jew right now, you could take the word colonizer, you can take the word occupier, you can take the word white word or phrase white privilege. And you, you know, they're all interchangeable in the rhetoric that you hear. And they're certainly interchangeable in the desired outcome, which is for the people who are slinging this language to be able to take from each and every one of us that fall under that definition. If you don't think you have white privilege, if you don't think you're a colonizer, if you don't think that you are a, a, um, a, a Jewish person or whatnot, you don't think you fall under any of this, think again. Because just like every uh, proper uh, Bolshevik or otherwise Marxist revolution goes, eventually they come for everyone. They'll even come for the revolutionaries, and that's the part of it that really, uh, really just it does. It, it's not it, that's part of it that scares me, fundamentally frightens me because I know where this is headed. So we got to fight back against it, uh, and there's absolutely no room for it. And it is, and it, it this th- these these nasty feelings have been percolating and phonating on the left uh, for quite some time. They're just finally coming out onto the surface, and I. Love that they are. Now we can see these people for who they are. All right. I'll be back in a moment. The What's Right Show will continue. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, holding the left accountable. In fact, even some folks on the right occasionally accountable uh, for the BS. I, I'm... I, I, we're just talking about the land acknowledgments before the break. You know, if you've ever been to a public gathering or something and they, they sit there and they go, we'd like to recognize the Shoshone tribe that we're, that we're, this auditorium that we're in is located on land that was stolen from them by the white man. And everybody sits there and, I mean, I've, I, I can barely contain myself from laughing. There's a great, comedy bit that it's reminded us of <laughs> uh yeah robbie you yeah you've got it yeah good 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 um here it is who is this baroness who's, who's this lady baroness von sketch okay baroness, this lady does this comedy bit about it <laughs> this is exactly right so she's starting it's like a comedian she's about to start a performance there's a bunch of people in the audience that's the setup and she opens up she first tells people hey Put away your cell phones, right? Kind of the standard opening, but everybody be quiet. Sit, open, and then she gives this land acknowledgement. Uh, I have to point out this is comedy, but it's gold. Before we begin this evening's performance, we would like to acknowledge that this theater stands on territory of the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Patoon First Nations. We are also mindful of broken covenants and the need to make right with all our relations. And now, please enjoy the show. Oh. Uh, sorry. Hello. Uh, oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, should we um, should we go? 
Excuse me? Oh, no, no, I just mean if we're on someone else's land, shouldn't we, shouldn't we leave? Oh, no, 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 the, the theater is here now. We'd just like to acknowledge whose land it is. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so confused. So if we're on someone else's land, shouldn't, shouldn't we do something about that? Or uh, Hopefully we'll enjoy the performance. Oh, okay, so some of the, the money from the ticket sales of the show are going to the indigenous communities? <laughs> well, no. A portion of, of them? No, no, the, the ticket sales go to the theater. So is the money from the bottled water sold here going to the First Nations for clean drinking water? Or Oh, no, that money goes to Nestle. Nestle. They're a sponsor. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so confused. So who's, whose land are we on? What, what, are we, what are we doing? It's a dialogue. Um, How are we making right? Well, there's a, uh, there's, there's a plaque you can read in the lobby. But here's why I'm playing this. I'm I am sharing this with you because, of course, because it's hilarious. But, but th- this is precisely the entire conversation about occupiers, settlers. You have all of a sudden Hamas sympathizing leftists in this country saying things like, and you've heard it, you've heard it said, well, these innocent Israelis, you say, were murdered. Uh, by you know by Hamas freedom fighters they're they're not innocent they're occupiers they're combatants those dead babies they were they're part of the problem they are they are legitimate battle targets and I'm telling you what's the, the fascinating thing I'm watching here right now as an astute observer of politics and and certainly of of um political theory is i see for the first time this a, a real sudden confrontation of uh, people are, are realizing leftists in this country who are used to just saying platitudes and things and words and just to make themselves you know feel good about you know about about themselves and they're they're completely used to those words being meaningless, right? These words don't matter when you talk about when you talk about the, the the tribe whose land you're sitting on. You wouldn't actually give them back your house that you have a mortgage on and that you're you put you know a twenty percent down payment on. You you wouldn't do that. <laughs> like if they came uh, to you and said, "Hi, uh, um, liberal Larry, uh, we heard you 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 gave a." a uh, uh, you know, a, a gratitude uh, declaration here to the to the indigenous tribe that used to own your own the land that your house is on. We want your house back. You would be like, um, no, and you'd hire a lawyer, uh, probably a really good Jewish lawyer. Um, so that, but that, but that see, they're so used to just saying words that are idiotic with no consequences, and all of a sudden, in the last three weeks. There are real consequences to their words. This is actual violence. This is why a lot of these people are engaging in really absurd denialism of the 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 heinous atrocities that were committed by by Hamas. They don't even want to face it because they're so used to ostriching and and being in la la land. The left finally is being forced to contend with the fact that its rhetoric has produced 
actual real violence. And this is from the people who previous to this have claimed ad nauseum that words are violence, which is blatantly absurd, right? I at no point am I, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been consistent about this. I'm all for uh, these rallies where we can see all the Palestinian Hamas sympathizers out there yelling death to Jews. I'm all for it. I want to see who these people are. I, d- I don't want to prevent these rallies from occurring. I want to then reserve the right to name and shame any despicable piece of human garbage that participates in that kind of speech. But I, I they have a right to say it. But the 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 turning point of course is action right and threats and that that are that can be carried out and there's a constitutional there are constitutional guidelines for what warrants actually you know harmful you know speech and it's very narrow it's a very narrow definition folks and and on the other border of that of course is is um is is an assault and battery and or worse right so the that's all defined in law but the people that that want to redefine the First Amendment, want to tell us that words are violence. Suddenly, all their words, that all these affirmations, they're, they're actually calls to violence because if you take it in its pure sense of the word, calling you and me illegal occupiers of land that belongs to some poor indigenous person that came you know, a century or two before um, – you know we're we're we've we're we are guilty of 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 that occupation, and we ought to the, the the solution to make that right is is by definition our removal. That's dangerous stuff. And so I think I think the left I think the left is being thrown into a a real a a, a real uh, 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 taken for a real spin here in all of this, and it's. It's. I, I would say it was. It's. I would say it's fun to watch, except for the fact that there are real world consequences that are terribly tragic. By the way, Biden. It's almost like Biden's too little, too late. You know, Biden got up and what was this on Wednesday? On Wednesday, Biden said that he made it very clear that, uh, you know, civilian casualties are going to happen in Gaza because that's what war's all about. Reporter asked him, you know, that the Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 children. Uh, you know, and, and so they're, they're basically, the reporter's setting him up, asking him about this. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he's ignoring the message Biden's response. What they say to me is I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. I think we should be incredibly careful. I think not we, the Israelis should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are the pro- pro- propagating this war against Israel. And, uh, and it's against their interest when that doesn't happen. But I have no confidence in the number that the Palestinians are using. Yeah, he has no confidence in the number that the Palestinians. Yeah, six thousand Palestinians, twenty seven hundred kids. Um, it's it's yeah. These people are uh, they're they're just serial liars and been proven serial liars over and over again. So there it is. By the way, Biden had a card with names and pictures of the reporters to call on. This was all pre-selected, so he wanted to give this answer. During his press conference with the Prime Minister of Australia, he wanted to give that answer. 
Now, I know we got to take a break, but I want, I want to get to this because John Kirby today got asked about this. Some reporter named Raquel Krahenbull, Raquel Krahenbull asks Kirby, he's the national security spokesman, the White House press briefing today. So asked him, so, okay, so, so, uh, Mr. Kirby, so besides saying that he, the president doesn't have confidence in the Palestinian numbers, the Hamas numbers, the per- president went further to say that the innocence, that innocence will die, and that this is the price of war. And Kirby confirms that. He goes, yeah, I, I said that. And this uh, reporter, Krahenbull, says, well, don't you think that this is incredibly insensitive? Isn't it being like a really harsh – I mean it's really terrible, you know? For example, and then here we go, care, <laughs> those people, the Council of American Islamic Relations, said it was deeply disturbed about the president's remarks. Would the president apologize? And Kirby goes, no. And then he asks, okay, does, does he regret saying something like that? And Kirby, for once, actually gives an unequivocating response. What's harsh is the way Hamas is using people as human shields. What's harsh is taking a couple of hundred hostages and leaving families in, uh, anxious, waiting and worrying to figure out uh, where their loved ones are. What's harsh is dropping in on a music festival and slaughtering a bunch of young people just trying to enjoy an afternoon. I could go on and on. That's what's harsh. That is what's harsh. And being honest about the fact that there have been civilian casualties and that there likely will be more is being honest because that's what war is. It's brutal. It's ugly. It's messy. I've said that before. The president also said that yesterday. It doesn't mean we have to like it. And it doesn't mean that we're dismissing any one of those casualties. Each and every one is a tragedy in its own right. It would be helpful if Hamas would let them leave. We know that there are thousands waiting to, to leave Gaza uh, writ large, and Hamas is preventing them from doing it. That is what is harsh. Yeah, uh, he's 100% right. Now, what is this doing for Biden's political prospects? Uh, because obviously speaking truth to the Democratic Party is a risky business. Well, I'll tell you when we return. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust for your injury case, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. All right, uh, Biden's poll numbers, this may come as a huge shock to you, are not doing particularly well. And in the first polling of his approval among Democrats since the conflict uh, has erupted in the Middle East, uh, the poll was conducted from October 2nd to October 23rd. So that would have been five days, started five days before uh, is the attack on Israel by Hamas. Um, his polling is down month over month, 11 percentage points. So it's a record, record low of only 75% approval rating among Democrats. This is 
big. Now, Axios is reporting on this Gallup polling saying it matters because Biden is at risk of alienating members of his own party with his support of Israel. I played those clips from Biden and Kirby uh, basically telling the truth for once about you know, that there are going to be casualties in this conflict and that Hamas should do more to protect its citizenry and its, its innocent, the innocent life there in, 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 uh, in Gaza and, uh, and that this, is a, this war is a consequence of what was done to Israel by Hamas and that it was a, you know, these are the consequences, sucky as they might be. So there is also, I'll point this out, a, a big divide between generations. Now, I frequently talk about old Democrats versus new Democrats, and I, I don't, you know, it's, it's not always an age thing, but certainly young Gen Z Democrats are very different as a whole uh, in their political beliefs than, say, baby boomer Democrats. Less than half, 48% of Gen Z and millennials believe that U.S., the U.S. should publicly support Israel. And that was in an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll. So that's, I mean, that's, that's staggering. And, I, and I, it's not broken down by party, but, but I assume um, uh, for, for, for liberal Gen Z millennial types, it's, uh, the number's even lower. So this issue, this this thing could end up becoming a major headache for Biden, combined with the fact that the economy isn't doing particularly well. I saw somewhere yesterday. I this was you know, I, I saw yeah the yeah it's a concerning the 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 car dealership person yeah the, there's somebody that tracks uh, statistics on auto financing and auto sales. And there's a statistic out there that's particularly worrisome about the economy because the percentage of subprime auto borrowers that are 60-plus days past due hit a record 6.1 in September. So it is the highest delinquency rate of all time um, uh, since, I think, the last peak in 1994. So the, the reality is, is people are not being able to afford living in this economy. Debt is going up. Credit card debt is going up. There's news today that the economy grew uh, a very significant amount, 4.9 percent. Uh, it's you know, but it's it's driven largely by credit spending, and it's you know it's not likely to to last. And I, so I you know these are the soft landing scenario in this economy is this is going to be a factor going into uh, in, into uh, 2024 and going to the presidential election. Uh, things might pick up by back up by by November, but I I, I kind of doubt it. And by I mean a year from November, so we're 13 months away, 13 months away from the election. So it's you know there's a, there is a lot of moving pieces. You know one of the things that the the Journal wrote about this, the Wall Street Journal wrote about the GDP increase, and and one of the funny things that they they cited was. There's people that are still spending an insane amount of money for discretionary items. Like they had this one guy who spent $600 on a ticket to see a soccer game because Messi was playing, right? The, the great Argentinian soccer legend. 
I would say, you know, there's there, I, know, I know people here in Vegas that are that have spent thousands of dollars on Formula One tickets, and and they're you know they make okay money, but they're not millionaires, right? And they're spending five thousand dollars for you know a ticket, and that's that's a lot. And they're putting it on on credit, and they're going, it's going to get better. The problem is credit is getting more and more expensive as these rates continue to skyrocket, and at the same time, right, the cost of goods it, it can't. Discount the fact that gas is, you know, uh, uh, hitting an all-time high. We've got uh, a breadbasket of goods. All everything costs more. And while home ownership is now what is it? Almost fifty percent more expensive to buy a home than it is to rent. And everybody going well. That means renting is going to be good. But I I always point to the fact that that rent, you know, rent mirrors or follows a certain percentage distance from home ownership in terms of cost it's you know home ownership sets what rents are and you know and it, it does follow right typically renting is a little less expensive right than owning a house which is why people do it or they can't come up with the money for a down payment but now it's 50 percent more expensive which means i mean and rents are not going down anywhere they're not maybe they've dipped a little bit here in vegas but but they've 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 they're also an all-time peak, if not just under that all-time peak. So this is a toxic brew of, of economic badness that's coming at us. And, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm convinced now more than ever that it's, it, the economy will be a major issue in this upcoming election. And, and this is why I think a lot of people want to minimize you know, the, the Biden team, Biden wants to tell you everything's fine. The economy's great. But I, you, you talk to friends and neighbors, look at your look at your checkbook, look at your your budget, look at what you're spending at, at you know, when you go to Smith's or Albertson's, buy groceries, look at what it costs to go out and, 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 and enjoy, you know, a, a date date night. It's getting expensive out there, people. And it, and it's it, and, and I think we're making we've been able to live off of credit and a little bit of savings and some covid cash that people had scrolled away. But that runway is going to it's going to run out. And I'm worried about what happens next. All right. It's been a it's been a show. We've covered a lot. I'll be back here tomorrow. Friday. We're almost to Friday. Tomorrow's Friday. Hopefully they catch this guy up in Maine. FBI. I just read the FBI surrounded his house or a house and they're. They're going in, so hopefully this uh, this gets resolved quickly. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. See you tomorrow.